Russ Bessinger is this week's B&E guest. He breaks the traditional mold we have on this show. Instead of working at an advertising agency, this man is an administrative business partner at Google. Ross tells us what he does at Google, and I will hint that he creates unique experiences for Google employees in Chicago, but I'll have him explain the rest. But he graduated in 2018 with a degree in advertising. Today he works for that digital powerhouse we all know and love. But what I find super interesting, aside from his side hustle as a DJ, is that he was initially hired into the university program sector of Google. And as a coordinator of that university program, his goal was to increase student awareness of Google as a career path, and he knows what Google looks for in an application. And he sheds light on that in this Breaking and Entering episode. He rocks it, so please give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at EnteringAd for his information and recommended resources. This is the Breaking and Entering Podcast, and I am your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Ross Bessinger, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. The little B&E podcast action here. Yep, yep. We're going to break some rules, um, maybe some laws. Um, first off, thank you for coming prepared. You have a great audio set up right now. I can always <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, stems from my, as we, as we dive in late, later, you'll learn about my audio past. Yes, we will. And that to foreshadow a little DJ work, uh, you know, a lot of experience in that area, award-winning, uh, I think <laughs> even might be appropriate to say. Yep. Cool. All right. So Ross, you work at Google. Uh, first Google guy. We had an Amazon guy. We won't talk about that, but um, you're our first Google guy. Uh, you graduated from the University of Illinois at Google. You are a, let's see if I get this right, tech site lead administrative business partner. And you've been doing that since July. Am I right on that? Yep, that's correct. I am the Chicago Tech Site Lead Administrative Business Partner. It's a it's a lot of words, but it makes sense if when we uh, if we want to dive in later to the. We're title gonna itself. break that down real quick. Um, cool. But even before that, you were a university programs coordinator from September 2018 till June this year. So we, th- I mean, perfect guest when talking about this podcast where we target advertising students. Uh, or any really any communication students, you know this pretty well, I'm sure. Yeah, um, it was really interesting to go from being a student, uh, and then within a couple of months being on the other side, you know, on a recruiting team, for lack of better words, um, at a major company. So yeah, it complete 180 and seeing both sides of that was <laughs> it's really something. How was that? I mean, to make that transition, then it probably wasn't too rough, right? You know, I mean, it's pretty a, a natural flow going from student uh, seeking jobs to then seeking out students and kind of get that. It just makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, before before I say anything dumb, um, I'm going to state that my views and opinions are my own and do not, you know, reflect at all on Google's opinions or, you know, whatever. Um, yep. But 
<laughs> um, but now that that's out of the way, um, yeah, it, the transition was interesting, more interesting than you would think. Um, you know, when you're you're a student, you have a lot of you know people giving you advice from every direction. You have your professors, you have maybe older students that graduated already and are in the workforce that are telling you things. Your parents are probably trying to tell you something. You just have it's like information overload, um, and once you come to the other side of it, it's like, you just figure it out. It's like so clear when you're on a recruiting team, what recruiters in the industry look for. Um, you know, obviously what we were looking for when I was on a recruiting team is different than what a typical advertising agency might be looking for, but it's the same structure that you go with. And, and honestly, I don't want to throw shade at the U of I uh, media school, but some of their advisors were just way off. They missed the mark by so much, and it kills me because you know you you go to such a prestigious school like U of I, you you graduate from an advertising program that is consistently in the top ten in the country. Yet you have advisors who have a hard time giving the correct advice, like how to structure a resume in twenty twenty and not two thousand, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of differences there. Um, so. I think the transition was more complicated than it should have been. And it was more uh, eye-opening actually than anything else. Yeah. And I think it's interesting when you say advisors, um, I mean, are you talking about like the career service members within our department? Or are you talking about like our academic advisors? <laughs> Don't hate me for saying it, but almost both. I, I, I didn't have a great relationship uh, with that department. I, I probably had, four academic advisors throughout my four years just because they kept leaving or going to another school or university or whatever. So that made information not clear Mm -hmm. because everyone has a different opinion. Um, But more so the career advice advisement. Um, I felt like the advertising program or the school of media was very set up to like, it it was basically a pipeline builder for the advertising agency world. Oh yeah. Um, That is Chicago or New York, right? If you want to, if you want to go through the program and do anything, but like be an account manager or a, you know, creative at an agency, you're kind of on your own. Um, Which, you know, fast forward the crazy path I went down, which we can, we'll dive into later, I'm sure. But that's how I ended up where I did. And, and it was all on, on my own. And so I'm happy to, you know, share advice and learnings from folks who go through the program or communications program or, you know, who don't want to end up in an agency or only want to spend a minimal amount of time in an agency. Right, right. So what were the, some of those things? I mean, for my, the thing that popped in my head, if if you're not getting that from the faculty at your school, then you kind of have to go all in on your extracurriculars or you have to find somebody that's a mentor. AAF is something we talk about in every episode of this podcast. And I know you were also involved in the same chapter. Um, so that I'm, I'm predicting that's going to be kind of what your, your theme was finding different opportunities within organizations and different mentors that might've been older kids. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point, you have to stop relying on the infrastructure that's there for you and go create it yourself. And that's where co-curricular activities really, really thrive. And I've been a big, you know, advocate for get yourself involved outside of the, outside of the curriculum. Um, all the way back to like my sophomore year of high school, um, because 
I'm one of those people who teachers always hated, who always challenged the status quo of like, okay, that's great, but but why are we doing this? Or what's the significance? And it wasn't because I was trying to be a um, you know a smartass in class. It was like I genuinely wanted to know what the purpose of what we were learning was or how it was applicable because I wanted to go out and make it applicable and and do those things in real life to to just build myself and learn from those experiences. Um, and it's like, I don't want to go too deep down this road, but it, the difference between getting a 99, 100% on a exam or in a class and getting a 92, 93% in a class, right? You might spend four, four extra hours to get mm-hmm. those, you know, seven, eight percentage points, which in the grand scheme of things is not going to matter like at all. And you can take those three or four hours of that week and go do something in the co-curricular space that's going to have a larger, exponentially larger impact on your career because one, you're building your resume with new yes. things, but it's also like you are learning hands-on how to do things that you're actually actually interested in. Like, do I remember from like an advertising class how to calculate like certain target market demographics from some formula? Like, no. I don't. Do I care that I don't remember? No, because if I ever need to go do it, you know, there's a great you know place to go find it called the internet or YouTube, and you go look up how to do it. And it's not important, you know, that I spent that I didn't spend the four extra hours studying that, and I spent the four extra hours doing something else that furthered my career. Right. There's a there with a, I think there's a point of diminishing returns when you're studying and for just your basic um, academic uh workload right like you said you can spend up to four hours and then you're gonna get an a and then 10 hours total you're still gonna get an a you're just wasting your time so i think that's super important before we get into more advice because this is awesome already usually it's towards the end but um (laughs) tell us about what you do right now at google at uh the tech site lead uh what does that mean yeah, so I partner with the Chicago Tech Site Lead. Um, he is responsible from a technical perspective of all the engineers that sit in Chicago. So right now, that's about 350 and uh, and growing. And that he's responsible for like them, um, not so much on a day to day basis, but on a you know Chicago site level, if that makes sense. Um, I partner with with him and excuse me with him and uh, all the engine all the other engineers in Chicago to build culture um, around the teams that sit in Chicago, along with different types of events for either specific teams or site wide events. You know, um, and, and my whole history really the one common theme is like creating experiences for people, and so the fact that I get to do that now for uh, 350 plus engineers at Google in Chicago is amazing. Um, and people ask me all the time, like, and you probably have it on your list too, is like, what is a typical day for someone in that role? And it, it's, there is no typical day. Um, because so many things are project based and you walk into them on, on a day-to-day basis. Um, so, I mean, some examples could be, I work on a music event in Chicago. We call it Fulton Palooza. The, 
the office sits in Fulton Market District of Chicago, and we coincided with Lollapalooza. So we try to do like a music week in the office while the music week of Chicago is happening. So have different artists come in to do talks and performances. And that's like a culture event I do for the office. Um, so cool things like that is is what I like to do uh, with my job. Yeah. So you said create you're creating experiences and this is all internal stuff, correct? Yeah, I'd say about, I mean, I'm in my current role, my new role as the Chicago Tech Site Lead ADP, um, I'd say 90 to 95% of what I do is all internal. Um, there'll be the occasional, you know, obviously things are different now with COVID, but, right. um, you know, I, I sit on the search team. So because of that, you know, things like CES come around or other big shows and conferences where, um, you know, we all kind of come together to work on larger experiences or help coordinate logistics to get the correct engineers to those conferences. Yeah. Um, so like that side is external focus, but I'd say 90 to 95% of the events I do are internal. So your client kind of, is it fair to say your client are all, are the 300 engineers in Chicago? Yeah, I think that is very fair. How are they as a client, those engineers? Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're interesting. Um, some of them are great. Some of them are not so great, but, sure. <laughs> um, it just kind of depends on what you're doing. And the key is, you know, us who go through advertising and communications and sales like programs, Sure. what we did, and this was part of adjusting to, to the world of tech in this role and my past role, because I was working with very like CS focused students in my past role and now engineers changing like what you would want to do at a quote unquote client event, right? If you're at an ad advertising agency or you're doing ad sales or whatever, your client's going to probably, you know, you're going to go out to a baseball game or go on a boat from Navy pier or like go out to dinner mm -hmm. or a bar or like something like Hopefully that. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Yeah, like in a non-COVID world. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, that's that's not what engineers find to be the most fun. Um, which is fine. Everyone has their own thing. So, like right now, we're doing a site-wide puzzle hunt where we have a we hired in a third party to help custom build a eight-week-long puzzle hunt. So virtually, so we have you know about 150 of those engineers who signed up to participate, who are going to spend an hour or so a week like hacking through um, a puzzle every no week for eight weeks. Yep. That's so like, awesome. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really cool because someone like you and I, who like, you know, we're, 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 you know, used to the other social aspects. Yeah, of, I would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's it, awesome it's that they fascinating. love it. It's fascinating. So yeah. as long as you like are on that, once you learn that kind of stuff and you shift your mindset a little bit and you open to like new ideas, like, Sure. We did a you know like a Lego building competition. I love oh, Legos. Nice. I never sure. I never admitted it to, to people because like I don't know it wasn't like cool, but it's oh, yeah. it's so cool. I mean, we had teams building the like the two thousand dollar large Star Wars kits yeah. that they like all pitched in and bought. I mean, it's yeah. it's so different than like the advertising world. But it's, but you're but it's you're amazing. creating like you, going back to your mantra. You're creating those fun experiences or those interactive pieces that make working at Google probably why it's so great to work at Google. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something that I love, right? Like 
the reason I came to the role I'm in now is because I spent two years talking about how great of a place Google was to work and to try and get students to want to come apply and, and work with us and work for us. And, and hopefully they go out and start recruiting people on, you know, in their own time. And I wanted to become part of the reason why people talk about Google. Um, so now that I'm in a position where I'm able to do that, I, I really need to capitalize on it. Okay. Okay. So now I'm curious. So this kind of sounds like you have some HR interest or background. What's, I mean, what's the difference between your role now and just being some sort of HR department uh, member? Um, it's a great question. Um, I think the difference is right. Like, well, two things, one HR is HR and the uh, HR as a whole tends to have a negative connotation globally, no matter what company you're at, right? Like, oh, we're going to get HR involved or HR, it planned this thing. Like, (laughs) I don't know, Um, right? Like, we don't even call HR HR at Google. They're called people people operations, Um, right? So uh, that just, you know, right right off the bat. Um, But in the role I am, right, I sit like my, my ladder, I report into the search org within Google. So like I sit on an engineering team, which by that nature, I am closer to the folks doing that work. So I'm able to have those, you know, conversations about life and events and what people want to do, what people didn't like to do, right? Where I feel like when you're coming from an HR side, it makes those conversations harder to have because I feel like people are more like they self-restrict what they want to say, right? Because yeah. they don't want to say something that's going to get them in trouble. You know, you could hop on a meeting with me and scream at me for 30 minutes. And I'm sure. like, okay, you didn't like what I did. We won't do that next time. Boom, right. done. End of conversation. Um, yeah. What are what are the... Um, so you, you, you mentioned a couple of your day-to-day and you mentioned that your days never really look the same. What is like your... What's your favorite task to work on? Your favorite brief? Um, your manager says, We're, we need you to do this and you love it. What's one thing that you absolutely hate that you're like, oh, <laughs> I got to do this again? Um, so I, the thing I love, I love solving complicated problems. And that the definition of that has changed for me over the years, right? Um, most recently I have taught myself app script, which is, you know, Google drives version of JavaScript. Um, right. Which I, in the last year, I just recently have developed that skill. And nice. Did you know that you can have all Google products within drive, talk to each other and do things automatically and you never have to look at it or touch it. Like that was new to me. That was news to me. Um, so like that was a complicated problem I started to work on. And now like, I'm always looking for that stuff. And I just had a conversation with my manager the other day of like, here are like four or five problems that exist across, you know, the the 60 people on my team and how they interact with different Google tools. Like how can we make their life easier or how can we automate it through app script? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not an engineer by trade, right? But like I understand the use case because I live it every day. So if I can write like base code for it and and then work with engineers to solve, like that's the kind of stuff I love to do because it's, it's like literally problem solving and it's different every time. 
Um, so I love when I get asked to do those sorts of things. And then you're also connecting with them even more. Um, if you're going that with them and you speak that language and you know what they're doing and you can connect on that standpoint, it probably makes your job a lot easier. Yeah, I, I would like to think so. I, I hope so. Um, you know, you never know when you're going to get into a meeting and start talking and you're actually on the complete wrong path. And then an engineer sure. who's been writing code for, you know, 15, yeah. 20 years goes, you're he, completely wrong. Just scrap yeah, the he whole can thing. Roast you. Yeah. yeah. But, he or she but, can roast you. Yeah. The, rightfully so. Right. They've been doing it for a very long time. Bring it on. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah. It can, all, all criticism is constructive. Most sure. criticism is constructive. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but least favorite. You, you talked about, you know, you love solving complicated problems. What, what's your least favorite thing? Uh, my least favorite thing is, you know, with, with this role, there is some more um, like transactional work that comes with it. Right. And, and it's all part of the process, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm putting on a large event, right, who, whoever we're hiring or contracting and to do certain things for the event, like they have to get paid somehow, right? Sure. And so like going through the tedious process of like submitting a payment order and making sure the invoices line up and making sure they get paid on time and like making sure money is moved around through all the different budgets to make sure that they can actually, we can pay them properly. Um, right. Because if we're, if for instance, if I'm working on like a massive summer event for the Chicago office, even if it's just the 350 engineers that comes out of the payment for that comes out of several different, what we call like cost centers, you know? Sure. Um, so just like dealing with that is, is annoying, but like I, it's part of the job and the job wouldn't be what it was if I didn't have access to like means to do that, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. How many, um, how many administrative business partners are at the Chicago are in the Chicago area? Like similar to your role? Yeah. So my role is very unique. Um, Right. It my role doesn't exist in Mountain View because Mountain View is so big. Uh, I'm the only engineering AVP right now that sits in Chicago. Um, there are a handful of folks in similar roles on the sales side, uh, sales advertising side of the house yeah. in Chicago. Um, so it, it's unique in that sense, but it's also unique because I partner with a someone who is the tech site lead for Chicago, okay. right? Other ABPs don't have as much culture built into their role because they're not partnering with someone who like sits in the role who is responsible for doing those things or making sure those things happen. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's unique in, in both of those ways. So, I mean, you, how'd you stumble upon it within Google? Um, what made you say, I want to do, what made you say, yeah, this is, this is the right route for me. Cause you stemmed from that, um, university program, um, mm -hmm. the university programs coordinator role. Um, yeah. How, what was that next step? How'd you find that next step? Yeah. Um, networking, yeah. <laughs> right? Like we, we stress it so much, uh, through, I know that's pushed by the university and by uh, everyone who you talk to in industry, but a lot of it is about who, you know, and, and, and timing. Right. So it came to the point where I, you know, I, was nearing two years on the other team. I was I was looking for what was next and something that I fell in love with while working on the right when you work in university recruiting, it's cyclical, right? 
Summers are slower than the fall. Fall's mm-hmm. super, super busy. You got internship recruiting, full-time recruiting, whatever. The spring is is heavy, but not as heavy. So in the downtime on that team, I was involved with culture stuff in Chicago. Right? I, I, I helped run our Talks at Google program in Chicago, um, where we bring it's like our TED Talk series, basically, um, internally. And then yeah. sometimes they end up on YouTube or they're live streamed. Sure. Um, so I was starting to get involved in like, office culture and i loved like this is a consistent theme with me right is like i love the real-time stress of planning and executing an event there's nothing better than like shit the event starts in an hour everything's a mess what do you do go um and some people hate it i love it and i thrive in it but like i wanted more of that and so just like meeting with different people in the office who are involved in culture and the community you know, I, it happened that the person who is sitting in this role that I have now was moving on to the next step in her career. And so the timeline yep. just matched up. I had worked with her multiple times on, on site-wide projects, culture-wise. And so it, it, it just kind of lined up. I went and interviewed for it. Um, the tech site lead and I got along very well. And uh, yeah, that's just kind of how that happened. Gotcha. Gotcha. A lot to unpack here. So I guess I want to, <laughs> I want to, I mean, what uh, we could talk about, I want to go over just like in my head, I want to lay out, I want to talk about how great it is to work at Google, like what, what it's really like. But before okay. we get into that, I want to get into kind of working reverse now. I mean, how did you get out of college? How did you break into that first role as that programs, the university programs coordinator? Like, what was that experience like? Yeah, so I will take it back to that. Um, like I mentioned before, I knew I did not want to do advertising agency work. Okay, that was that was very clear. Um, right there, there were points throughout the curriculum at U of I where I was really into it. And right, I think one of those things: if you are an advertising student student at U of I, you've done the capstone project um, in advertising where you like simulate an agency in a group. Like that was one of those moments where it's like, oh wow, this was a lot of fun. I can see myself doing it. What role? But, uh, I was a media planner for my group on that project. Um, sure. But I just, I think what I found was I loved getting up and pitching things in front of people. I did sure. not like the late nights, random stuff you're trying to pull to please your client. Um, and, and like some of the agency culture of the agencies I went and visited in Chicago just seemed toxic to me. Um, right. Like you name them. I prefer not to let's, let's <laughs> uh, do it. You could do it if you want. <laughs> no, no. I, I have friends that work at some of those agencies and so I don't want to, are they still any... working there? What they, year did you graduate? I graduated in 2018 and they're still, they're all still there. Some of them, some of them are there. Some of them have left and came and done advertising at Google. Some of them have moved on to other other worlds. With within two to three years, okay. Yeah, yeah. this is good I, stuff to know. Yeah, I think this stuff. I think agency burnout is real. Yeah. Um, I think that right, the saying that you're only as good as your last campaign. I think that is very true. I've had friends who like the agency as a whole didn't perform well on their clients campaign and so they basically dissolved their team because the they lost the client and then they all you know got let go because you have this high paying client that just left the agency 
And right. so now your team's gone. Right. And so, you know, for how long do you want to deal with that or have that stress riding on you? Yeah. Like, we have to pull this off. Like my job and career depend on me pulling off this campaign. Like, yeah, when you're younger and you're up fresh out of college, like that's great and go get it. Like you have that drive. But after a certain point in time, it's just like, I need something where I can wake up in the morning knowing I have a job and a paycheck and not having to worry about like, obviously you need to perform, you need to perform in any job, but it's, right. it's different. It's just different. Um, and, and, and that, and that was part of it. And the other part was like from older folks I knew who had already, already graduated in the agency world, I felt like there was a lot of backstabbing going on between people, right? Like coming out of school, coming out of the advertising program at U of I, like most people go on to the advertising industry in Chicago, right? Yep. So like, you know, people in the industry and you, you might've, you know, in a group project over the years experience, like, oh yeah, buddy, buddy, right? Like this person's going to help you and grow with you. And then all of a sudden they like turn around and throw you under the bus. Um, right. Yeah. And so I've, I've heard of that happening for like promotions and, and things of that nature at these agencies and like people stealing people's credit for, for work or throwing their name on things, but they didn't do anything. It's like toxic group project stuff that I didn't want to be a part of. Um, yeah. Right? Like at a certain point, you just got to pull them aside and be like, like, dude, grow up. <laughs> like, you know, either, either do your job and, and, you know, or, or don't, but don't sit here and try to lie to me or the manager or your professor and right. tell, say, say something otherwise. So yeah. that was that. Um, I also loved events. Like I keep mentioning, I love these experiences. So that's another, like I, I tried to find agencies that did that. Like I think Superfly, uh, they have an office in Chicago. Uh, Red Frog events was, I think they just closed though. Um, right. Like C3, um, they do some some festivals, including Lollapalooza yep. in Chicago. Um, like that was the kind of work I was looking to do. Um, okay. Like through senior year, that's where I was like applying and and looking at and all that stuff. And then I graduated and um, I went on a trip. It took took like a month off and went to Europe uh, with my friends. We just went backpacking and nice. And I was like, uh, you know what? I applied to a bunch of roles. I I said I was going to be out of the country. Like last thing I want to do is give an interview on like a hilltop in Greece. But um, I came back and it was actually my girlfriend's sorority group chat. Someone had posted um, about an events role in, at a tech company. It wasn't specific. And I was like, yes, like I, I have been a tech geek like my entire life. I love these events. Like, what is this? I need to know. And then I just, just kind of went from there. It turned out it was the university programs coordinator role at Google. Nice. Um, and just kind of went from there. Yeah. So that was, I mean, how many applies, uh, how many jobs did you apply for? Oh boy. <laughs> way too many, way, way too many. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like there's two ways to go through the job, you know, application process. There's the, Hey, I'm going to critique, not critique. I'm going to shift my resume and my credentials to fit whatever this company is looking for. And I go sure. into the interview and I'm like, I'm going to say exactly what they want me to say so I can get the job. Like, that's not who I am. Um, I, I'm not the person who's just going to say whatever to please whoever I'm talking to. I'm going to throw the tough questions. I'm going to challenge things because just because it's the way it's been doesn't mean it's the way it needs to be or should be moving forward. Right. right. And I, I think because of that, a lot of 
companies didn't necessarily want to take a guess you could say a chance with me um right they want they want a, a student who's going to come in from school and just be like yes sir yes ma'am like i will do this work i will go do these things and have them on your desk yep i'm not going to question it like i i cannot stand that i cannot stand a manager who's always like is it done yet did you do this yet why did you do it this way like yeah so yeah uh i applied to i don't know i honestly don't know like 20 30 jobs yeah. uh, something in that ballpark yeah. throughout like middle of senior year through the summer sure um, i mean um I, I think that mentality you have is kind of what everybody kind of wants to be i think i mean most students and recent grads you know want to be themselves in a job application however i mean right now it's not the, the easiest time to find jobs so people are kind of willing to shift their own, you mm -hmm. know, personality and strategy to, you know, just get a job in the first place. But, you know, I respect that you have that um, tenacity. What did you do? Um, so what was your, like, you, you found the Google spot. Did you change anything up? Did you prepare more? Um, what was, how many interviews did you have to do? Run us through that. Cause that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the interview process is long and, and tough. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, if you don't prepare for an interview with a, whether it's Google or, or another tech company or another large, you know, international company of any size, if you don't prepare, like, you're not getting the job. Sure. Um, right. So I, I think my process was I had an initial phone screen with a recruiter. Um, we, like, just talked about the job. And basically, it's like the recruiter just making sure you're not bullshitting your resume. And like, you sure. actually can hold weight in a conversation about whatever you're applying to. Um, and then I had uh, two phone interviews. Obviously, this was like non COVID. So like, yeah, yeah. it looks different now. So now it's Zoom or Google Hangouts. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> everything's on Google Meet now. But um, yeah, two phone interviews. And then I had uh, three uh, Google video call or Google meet, um, mm -hmm. as it now is called, uh, interviews or like Skype interviews, Three? if you will. Three. Yep. Okay. Um, so like the first round was a recruiter call. The second round was the two phone interviews. The third round was the three video calls. Holy shit. And then, um, you go to what's called the, the, the fourth round. You're kind of a, you don't really have anything to do with the fourth round. It goes to a hiring committee where, uh, like a non-biased group of folks um, looks at all your feedback from your interviews that you did and like gives you the thumbs up or the thumbs down or the, like, the needs more information Whoa. about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting, but, and then hopefully you get an offer after that. Yeah. What, um, I mean, so when you were a part of the university program, was were you looking for, were you doing any of these interviews yourself? No. Um, the university programs team works more like if we, if you want to talk about the sales funnel for a quick second, right? Like the top of the sales funnel is the brand awareness stage. Yep. The university programs team is the brand awareness stage in the consumer journey to like apply and get a job at Google. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, they've. I remember I came. I, I I've attended a couple of those Google Meet, um, those workshops at, in Greg Hall at U of I. I remember? Yeah, 
Yeah. So that was like kind of what you were doing, kind of like describing the program, building awareness of it. Yeah, I dealt with a lot of the logistics on the back end uh, of folks who were moving across the country, engineers yeah. and non-engineers. And I was doing a lot of data work for the team as well. Um, right, a lot of number, there's a lot of number crunching involved. Um, so that, that was kind of my role within the team. But yeah, the team as a whole, you're exactly right. The folks who are coming to campus to talk with students, both engineers and non-engineers about, hey, have you considered a career in tech? Have you considered a career at Google? Um, I think, yeah, but that's not that. I mean, you talk about awareness. I mean, I, I think most people are pretty aware if they're on a college campus that Google is a major player. You know, I thought that too. I, I really did, right? And, and then you look at it and in the advertising, but let's just, we'll talk business for a second, right? If you're a business yeah. advertising student, um, yeah, you're aware Google is a major player, but you might not be aware you can have a career at Google because you think that, it's an engineer, like you have to be an engineer to work at Google. And right. that, to be honest, that was what I, the impression I was under when I was a student. It's like, I would love to work at a tech company. How the hell do I do it? Like, yeah. like do they do a lot of advertising sales stuff? I don't know. Um, we do. And so do many other tech companies for those of you listening. But yeah, like that's part of it. And then the other part is on the like engineering side, which was the team I sat on. Um, you have schools like U of I that have the top CS program in the country or like the top two or whatever sure. CS program in the country where for those students, it's not, can I get a job at a big tech company? It's what big tech company am I going to go work at? Yeah. yeah. Right. So right, then it, right. it becomes a whole different ball game of like, right. yeah, we know you want to work in big tech, but yeah. like, why should you come work for us versus Facebook or Amazon or Microsoft right, who, right, right. who are huge players in the university hiring game? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where it gets real fun, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's awesome. But for, I think for the purpose of this, I mean, I would love to have a side combo about like what that's like recruiting um, the engineers because that's just a world I've never even thought of. But for the purpose of this podcast, yeah. let's talk about that sales. Let's talk about that business, that advertising side. What are some of those jobs that students listening now that, like yourself, uh, they might not want to go the traditional creative agency route? Um, what are some of those uh, opportunities, whether it's at Google specifically or tech companies around the country? Yeah, um, I'll start with the broader answer and then narrow it down. But sure. Every tech company, every tech company has folks in marketing and has folks in advertising and PR, right? Sure. It, it just a big company of any, no matter what the service or product is, has those functions. Otherwise, they really can't generate revenue um, or profit, um, right? So Google obviously has a lot of advertising and, and sales opportunities. Um, you know, everywhere you look on the internet, you know, you're on YouTube, Google supported ads, you're on search, Google supported ads, you're oh, on yeah. random websites, like those ads are powered by Google, um, and Google ads. Um, you know, even, even if you're going to work in an agency, you're going yeah. to probably work with Google analytics yeah. and Google AdSense, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. cause yeah. like it's the digital era. Welcome. Um, if yeah. you're and not Google here, like, it. yeah. And if you're not in the digital <laughs> era, I don't know where you've been the past five years, but um newspaper is pretty nice too uh, i hate newspaper <laughs> i think i'm allergic to it Good um it makes me sneeze a lot anyways um 
right? Same thing with Facebook. There's ads all over Facebook and Amazon, and there's teams, huge teams that are diving into the analytics of how their algorithms are processing the advertising they're running or that agencies are running on their platforms. And they need people to work with large agencies and small businesses and everything in between to make sure that folks who are spending money are actually getting a good ROI on the campaigns they're running. Right. Um, right. That could come in a form of like an advertising sales role where you're trying to sell the ad space. It could yep. come in a more of a consultive role of like, hey, you should change these things about your campaign or consider these keywords instead because they're going to return, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, and then you have the internal side of it too, where you have folks like Google has a bunch of hardware products and we need a marketing team to come up with what those campaigns are going to look like. Even if they are partnering with an extra, you know, a third party agency, agency, yeah. we still need, you know, a marketing department who is going to hold that agency to the standards and the story that we're trying to tell as a company. Um, same thing with PR, like the bigger the company, the more PR you're going to have to work with the bigger the Absolutely. nightmares, the bigger the fires, right? So yep. there are all of these roles now. However, if you're a university student who is graduating, don't hate me for saying this, but you probably will not land a marketing or PR you know, role like that at a big company. Um, they're not going to take a student who hasn't worked full-time at a company doing PR or marketing before and put them you know, to manage like the Google Pixel launch uh, from yeah. the marketing perspective or the PR perspective, right? Like, yeah. That's not a project you have a second chance on. That's not something you can mess up. Um, yeah, it's big leagues. It's big league stuff. However, you can still get an advertising job out of college at Google. Um, it, just working on campaigns, um, working on you know, con, con, whoa, working on consulting advertising campaigns. Sure. Um, with businesses, right? There's you know a bunch of my friends started in sales up in Ann Arbor, um, in, in Michigan, we yeah. have a sales office there that most of that office is entry level sales roles. Um, a lot of people come out of Michigan. A lot of people come from U of I and Northwestern and just like the Midwest. Ooh, region. That sounds like a fun program. Tell what's that about? Um, so it, I, I don't have like specific details obviously, cause I wasn't, sure. um, part of the program, but it, you work with small businesses. They're like the small business sector. They uh, recently rebranded. Um, just right? like Amazon's program. Yeah, I'm sure they do it very similarly, right? Like yeah. low stakes, low risk, but you learn how the process works. And right. then as you get promoted and you move up and you transfer roles, like you take on bigger and bigger clients and bigger and bigger budgets, right? Sure. But it's like if someone is running a $100 month per month campaign, right? Mm -hmm. Like and you mess up a keyword, it's not that big of a deal. Like you can fix it. Right. Right. Versus like, you know, a Walmart or a Nike or Coca-Cola who's spending millions yeah. of dollars yeah. and you mess it up. Right. Right. You, you, if you're a university grad, you have no excuse for messing up a campaign on Walmart, you know, mm -hmm. but if you're a university grad and you mess up a random campaign, that's was only a hundred bucks. Like, you make it right with the client and you move on and it's not going to hurt our bottom right. line. Yeah. I think Google can, you know, help out with that. If you mess up with a 50 to a hundred dollar campaign, right. Worst case scenario. And, and you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing the mark on the actual numbers. No, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure. Get, yeah. Right. I get what you're saying. So that's, that's awesome. I mean, then 
I think that pretty much highlights that question then. So what made you specifically a good candidate for Google? What was the experience that you, you (laughs) built up? What was your personal brand? What did you do in college? Did you DJ at all? Um, were you, were you a great DJ that cares about audio? What create awesome experiences? I don't know. That's just a guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm being interviewed all over, all over again for this role. Uh, no, I'm messing. Um, yeah, so I can dive into like how I built my personal brand to be mm-hmm. what it is today. And, and a lot of that, I know you mentioned DJing, and, and that's a very big part of my life. It still is. Um, so like I'll jump back like several years here. Um, yeah. my, my first job that I ever had was DJing. Um, I worked for myself. I didn't want to work for anyone when I was younger, like I didn't want to have a shift job at, you know, a, a restaurant or a retail store. Like that wasn't me. Um, sure. And I was like, you know, how I got into music and DJing, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but sure. Sure. Um, yeah, that was my first job. I started Rumble Entertainment. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade and I started DJing like sweet 16s and bar mitzvahs and backyard b- parties and birthday party, like all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's where like, it was like guerrilla marketing, um, of learning how to put an event together. And, you know, first I was charging like 200 bucks to come do your three hour, four hour party because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And you know what? Low risk, low reward for the client. Sure. Um, you know, you, you, in the entertainment industry, you get what you pay for. So if you're paying $200, you're going to get $200 worth of value. Um, and as I figured it out, I started charging more and more and more and realizing that this is great. Like I could sit here and guide the client through like a templated line of questioning that's going to, you know, psychologically make them pick the things that I'm the best at, like the best yeah. add-ons for their party or whatever. Um, because those are things that I know I can deliver on at a, at a high quality. And nice. so like, that's how I got got into events and DJing, um, you know, when I was in high school, that was my main source of like high school job income. Yeah. Um, better than I, washing dishes. Yeah, it is better than washing dishes. Um, I also was like fortunate enough to go to a, you know, a large high school where there is a large like tech feeder uh, and AV department. And, you know, they would hire like a couple of students to work there full time for like, you know, every high school has those things that get the auditorium mm-hmm. gets rented out at night or on the weekends or like what high school you go to? I went to Stevenson high school in Lincolnshire, nice. Illinois. Yeah. Um, Good test scores there. <laughs> that's what they say. I don't know if how mine, how mine <laughs> fall on the, uh, did, your, did you contribute to that narrative? Of I was probably one of the students they wanted out of the school. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I, I did fine. like uh, some event management and and audio engine and audio and video engineering for for those random things where yeah. like regular staff didn't want to like come in on a Saturday to like do this thing this like simple thing but like they would hire me to go run a couple mics and a camera and like oh, nice. you know that'll be that you could do a podcast easily <laughs> I you know I I like being guests I guess on podcasts I don't know how I would do hosting a podcast no, you'd be fine uh thanks um. So yeah, events and stuff, and and that's how I got to college. And I, my freshman year of college, I did not do well. Um, I was rushing a fraternity, which took up a lot of my time, and but it wasn't like necessarily the most productive time. 
Um, and I was actually going into my sophomore year, I was actually put on academic probation, um, which I don't re- remember what the uh, limit at U of I is for that. But anyways, um, I, I started noticing, right? Because like my freshman year of high school, I was in a very similar position where I was not doing very well academically until I like overflowed my plate with co-curricular activities, right? It, sure. Just for some reason, like when I'm really busy, I have historically done better at like things. I don't know why that is. I don't have a scientific reason, but that's just what has worked for me. Uh, so I knew like going into my sophomore year that I needed to go find things on campus that wasn't my fraternity. Like I loved my mm-hmm. fraternity. I was involved in Greek life. I was on my executive board, but I needed I needed more um, to keep me busy. So then I went over to WPGU, 107.1 FM, shout out uh, Alina Media. Um, and I was a marketing intern for a couple months there. And then the marketing director was leaving and they're like, hey, we, we need a marketing director. Ross, nice. do you want to apply for it? okay, I guess, like, sure. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I, at that point, I was like, I don't know what qualifications I have to be a marketing director, but you asked me to apply, so I will. Um, and I did that, and I, I put together a um, street team. I don't know if it exists still or not, but, you know, we start, We were able to start selling, like, off-site brand activations where we would go to uh, companies or, you know, on-site broadcast live from, you know, like, oh, we're broadcasting live from the Harvest Market in, mm-hmm. you know, Champagne. It's, yeah. you know, um, so like that was the kind of stuff I put together for WPGU. It's, it was like a no-brainer. All the major market radio stations were doing it. We nice. weren't. Uh, so again, events there. Um, I was also a DJ in college. Um, I shout out Red Lion. Nice. Uh, shout out shout out jason rita um <laughs> uh, take that out <laughs> okay take that out cut it out <laughs> um, no jason rita on this show <laughs> but um yeah i i i had my first shift there uh sophomore year but but, but before sophomore year i dj'd i chose when i was uh, only 18 for those that don't know the bar age in champagne is 19 so they were had me on payroll and i wasn't even legally allowed to be there um what i've never heard of that before <laughs> yeah i was djing monday night joe's uh my uh, the second half of my freshman year and like no one ever asked to see an id no, no one ever asked to see an i was just like, okay he's the dj yep. um nice. and, and then and then my friend uh john schuster was a bartender and dj at red lion he now is like blowing up um he goes by john summit go look him up he's got a great uh like house house music producer sure. Um, got me my first shift. And then at the end of my sophomore year, they asked if I would be the head DJ, um, for lion. And that entails like shift planning at that time, like Cochrane owned lion and Clyde's and firehouse. And at that, at that point, like every bar had DJs rotating through every night. So my responsibility was just shift, make sure the good DJ, the better DJs are playing like the Thursday, Friday, Saturday shifts. And like you have, right the rest of the DJs cycle through so they could learn to the following year, they can play the, you know, the big mm-hmm. nights and, and that was fun. Um, so Amazing. again, like, yeah, yeah. yeah like funny. planning, like, I don't know if they still do, but there's like a weird happy hour thing that would happen on Fridays at lion. Um, giveaways. Yeah. Like four o'clock or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I so I, I helped put that together. I attended uh, that. <laughs> I was there for that. Don't you worry. Yeah, I love pizza. Love. The eating contests; those are funny. But hey, <laughs> let's shift away from this real quick. 
because we don't have much time. I did want to ask you. So if you, I'll let you summarize that all. Um, but I mean, obviously your, your experience, um, you know, not working for the system in a way, right. Creating yep. these experiences based on who you are and what you wanted to do. You were able to kind of, you know, create your own path. Is that fair mm -hmm. to say? Yeah, that is very fair. And, you know, is that kind of this, the, the status quo, is that the standard at Google that you, you, you hear these similar stories, um, of your employees and your coworkers? I, I don't think it's necessarily the status quo. I think you hear these stories more at Google than you do at other companies. Mm. Um, but it's by no means like the way in, you yeah. know, like there's just as many people who've worked for the system for 20 years who came sure. over to Google, you know, later in their career. Um, it's it just a matter of, you know, how you want to brand yourself and set yourself up for success. Um, and for me, this is the way that worked well for me because this is how I felt the most productive um, in my own life. Yeah. Um, if if you if you listening, like if your most productive way to contribute to your career and to society is to work for the system, then work for the system and kick ass. Like that's yeah. you. Um, but yeah, I, I think there are more people at Google who have my kind of stories and unique backgrounds than traditional agencies and companies have. Gotcha. So then final words of advice for anybody looking to get a job specifically at Google, maybe in, the, in a similar path that you took um, or any resources they should start learning about now. Yeah. Uh, Google specific resources, uh, google.com slash students has like internships and entry level job postings. And you could set up like job alerts there and apply directly through there. Um also, if you're going into the advertising world, uh, I think it's skillshop.withgoogle.com has certifications on like Google ads, Google uh, analytics, stuff like that, where like if you're in the advertising world and you're applying to an advertising role at Google, like you probably should have done your research and spent a little time on these certifications. Yeah. Um, right there. I mean, the training in the role is great. Like you're going to get trained how to do all this stuff on the job, but having that is is great showing the initiative that yeah. you had it um those are like the two uh really good google specific resources um in, in general like resumes are, are are big right it's your seven seconds of fame to make an impression you have seven seconds to make an impression on someone right um whoever you're talking to or whoever is reading your resume they're going to determine within the first seven seconds if they like you or don't, if you're a qualified candidate or not, like this goes beyond the business world. Um, so a big thing with resumes that I see, especially from the business advertising world, is is a lot of these resumes are lacking impact. And and what I mean by that is, you know, that's great that you ran a campaign for Coca-Cola as an intern. I'm reading that as a recruiter at another company who's never worked with Coca-Cola before. What what's the significance of that to me? Like sure. I can sit here and go, okay, so maybe like, a, you know, like, no, I ran a multimedia campaign across four platforms that, that reached 5,000 people that resulted in whatever OKR, like mm -hmm. these are the, the details that need to be on resumes because otherwise I or some other recruiter is going to read it and just go, okay. And, what does it mean? Yeah. Right, right. Um, especially if you are doing a jump cross-functionally, right? If you came from the advertising space and you're going to work or you want to apply for roles that aren't traditional advertising, 
you need to give that context. Right. Right. Uh, um, also be yourself. Like, I, I, I can't tell you the amount of people who ask to have coffee chats with me and are just bullshitting left and right. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, so I apologize. Absolutely. Um, Encourage. <laughs> but like, don't bullshit. Like, People we know, like everyone in the industry can read right through it. Don't call, don't have a coffee chat with someone just because you want to have a coffee chat with them. So you can say you talk to someone from Google or Facebook or Amazon, like you should do your research before you have those chats and be, be humble, be, be honest, be, be approachable. Don't be like, I'm too good for this. Like, why don't I have a job at XYZ company? Um, and, and that 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 feedback might be like shocking, but the amount that of happens. People, oh yeah, oh yeah, it happens to me, my friend. It happens to my friends at other companies that aren't tech companies. Not my listeners, not not our breaking <laughs> and entering listeners. That's for not, sure. I would hope not. If they're listening to the podcast, they're already doing something right because they're listening to folks from the industries who can help them. Thank um, you. Yeah, and and the other thing would be like, do your research. Do your research. Like you're going to get asked questions and in interviews about the company you're interviewing for. And it's not like for Google, for instance, it's not like, Oh, what are three products and services? Like that Google offers, like, that's great. If you could list, list those, but that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like if there's a way for, I mean, advertising specific, right. If I own my small business, how can I go advertise at Google? Do I have to have an account manager? Can I go do it myself? Like, all that information is out there, right? We live in a digital age. Every company has this kind yeah. of information Google. on the internet. Yeah, literally, Google it. <laughs> that's that's Google.com for those of you who haven't entered the digital era yet. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Awesome. All right. Then that pretty much wraps up what the questions I have. Uh, to finish off with the interview, we just want to make sure that um, people can reach out to you and they know the appropriate way to do so. So do you want, I mean, is that allowed? Is LinkedIn the best way to do it? If anybody want to reach out to say hello or um, talk to you, how do they go about that? Yeah. If it's from a professional perspective, LinkedIn is great. Um, I think my, my email is also listed on LinkedIn, which is just uh, rossbessinger at gmail.com. Uh, that's my, my personal one. You know, if you want to talk, I'm always happy to talk with people. Um, if you want to talk music stuff or that kind of world, like Ross Aaron Music on Facebook and Instagram, I'm always always popular there. Um, nice. So yeah, I'm happy to talk about all aspects. Cool. Then we'll make sure to keep those links uh, on the in the description or on our graphics on Instagram at Entering Ed. That really wraps it up. So have a great day. Thank you so much again, Ross. This was awesome. Hey, thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Podcast. This was a great episode with Ross Bessinger. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Google guy, he is the man. Please, 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 please reach out to him and go to our Instagram at EnteringAd for his information. Uh, thank you to Mikey Malarkey, to Buchan Jong, and our Midnight Oil University of Illinois student agency team. Uh, can't do it without you guys. We will see you next week with another amazing guest. Have a go.